Today we discuss four toxic perceptions that hinder your journey on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. I'm so glad to be with you today. And today we're going to be talking about perspectives that paralyze, four toxic perceptions that hinder your journey. And in in this uh, time together, you know, I think about Job when he once said that with everything he was going through, he says, the poison drinks up my spirit. He, he was just so bitter. And have you ever found yourself stuck in a toxic mindset? Maybe you survived an ordeal or a situation or a season only to look back on it in the most negative, unredeeming way where it produced nothing in your life and you just hate it and glad you're over with it. Are you seeing things the right way through God's eyes or are you seeing it through contaminated lenses? through your own perspectives. And that's what I want to share today. You know, in the story, It's a Wonderful Life, there's this pivotal moment where uh, where George Bailey, the main character, uh, he's at the lowest point of his life, and he's on this snowy bridge, and he says to the angel Clarence, I wish I had never been born. And as we navigated, even the last year, you know, we're in, we're in February now, but we, we navigated last year, uh, you encountered obstacles, setbacks, victories, defeats, everything, you know, the whole gamut. And every experience, for better or worse, shaped us into who we are at this moment. Here's the question. How did it shape you? Did it shape you in a good way or did it shape you in a bad way? And are you seeing things God's way, the right way, or like George Bailey in a, in a toxic, contaminated perspective? And this was the case with a scribe known as uh, as Baruch. He was Jeremiah's scribe. And I, I want to read the scripture to you quickly. It goes something like this. And it's only five verses. It's the shortest chapter in Jeremiah. And it's probably one of the shortest chapters in the Old Testament period. And it's, it's interesting because it's only five verses, but it has a wealth of, of story in it. And here's the scripture. It says, The word of, of the word that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Baruch, son of Neriah. Now, now Baruch is his uh, kind of his right-hand person, his assistant. When he wrote these words in a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah, he was a scribe for Jeremiah. Jeremiah would prophesy, and he would he would write down the stuff, right, the prophecies. In the fourth year of King Jehoiakim, son of Josiah of Judah, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, you said, Woe is me, the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning, and I'm finding no rest. So, so Baruch is complaining, right? Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, I am going to break down what I have built and pluck up what I have planted, that is the whole land. And you do you see great things for yourself? Do you seek them? For I am going to bring disaster upon all flesh, says the Lord. But I have given you your life as a prize of war in every place that you may go. So this is a... I've read this many, many times, but it never hit me until the past year of what was actually going on here. We find that in, in the story, um, uh, the this story... God's sovereign will is kind of confronting our own sense of, of personalization and worth. And God is confronting us with where we are because sometimes the world can be falling apart around us and yet we're missing it. We're missing what's happening. And I see four perspectives that 
Baruch battled with in his own heart that maybe we battle with? And the first one is, is simply this, the exhausted perspectives or perspective. Baruch was worn out from his sorrow and pain and found no rest for his soul. There was war, there was famine, there was just no success. And, and he was kind of like an entrepreneur, maybe. Maybe he had some aspirations, right? Psalm 6 and, and 6 says this, I am worn out from groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. So this is similar. It's almost like he's complaining like a psalm, you know, like, man, I just can't take this season anymore. It's so hard. And when, when we are worn out, we are prone to accuse God for our, for our lengthy situation. And we're prone to say, well, you know, this is a long season because of you, God. You, you, you let me hang on here by a thread. Why, right? So that's one perspective. But here's, here's another one. The second one is the fruitless perspective. And I'm going to go through these quickly, right? Because I want to get through this material. But the fruitless perspective. And again, back to the story. Uh, a sense of futility maybe might have hit Jeremiah's scribe, Baruch. He feared that because of the war, that all of his work was was for nothing, you know, scribing these prophecies out. What's the point? We're all going to die, right? Baruch was devastated when his work later on was deliberately destroyed by King Jehoiakim. And that's a very sad chapter in Jeremiah 36. I, I read it, you know, a while ago, and man, I felt terrible. The king... He has the Word of God in his hands, the prophecies of Jeremiah of what's going to happen, and he reads each page and tears them, tears them and throws them in the fire. That's the disdain he had for the Word of God. But again, Baruch was thinking more about, hey, I wrote that down, why are you destroying it, right? And that's the wrong perspective because it's, it's me-centered, it's individualism and how, how the world affects me. And we sometimes wonder, why is life so hard? Did I waste my time? Did I waste my energy? Did I work in the wrong direction? Does it mean that that I'm, I'm out of God's will? I missed it somehow? And, and we have all these thoughts like Baruch, right? So here's another one. The devalued perspective, right? Think of buyer's remorse. You buy a car or something very expensive and you realize, oh boy, did I make a mistake. And we find that Baruch might have felt a feeling of regret that, hey, I'm in it with Jeremiah, but he's not doing so well. Maybe I should have hitched my wagon to somebody else. And some Old Testament scholars believe that Baruch was expecting to inherit Jeremiah's mantle of prophet once Jeremiah was gone. And maybe that wasn't happening fast enough. Once he realized that it wasn't going to happen, maybe he felt diminished and disenchanted and discouraged and disillusioned and give me five more Ds, right? So so uh, maybe we go through that in, in our perspectives, devalued perspective. No one sees my work. No one cares about what I'm doing. But here's another one, the remorseful perspective. What's in this for me? I think we all ask that ourselves that question at some point because we're individual. What's in this marriage for me? What's in this relationship for me? What's in this job for me? Because I'm not getting anything out of it. Uh, things are just dragging and, you know, I don't feel noticed. I don't feel loved. I don't feel cared for. Fill in the blank. Under constant stress and trials, everyone at some point asks the question, what am I getting out of this? 
What is my exit strategy? What, what, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What have I gotten myself into? And I believe that Baruch was definitely struggling with this. And we all do at some point. Even if you're in the ministry, I've been pastoring for 35 years. And there are seasons where you're like, okay, what am I doing? All right. So Baruch may have had ambitions and dreams, but realized that Jeremiah, his boss, was not going to be successful. And was he okay with that? And again, we, we think about the idea of Western success, that it's always big money, big numbers, you know, cars and riches and all this. But in God's mind, success is very, very different in the Scriptures, especially when you look at the life of Jeremiah, who only maybe won five people to God in his career, his family and a couple of the people. But, uh, so Peter asked Jesus that same question about what's in it for me when he, when he said, we have left everything. Let me see if I think I have it here. He said, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? So maybe Peter was asking that question of Jesus. Hey, we, we've done everything, man. What, you know, what are we getting out of this? But then there comes this thing we call God's perspective. How does God see all of that individual spin that we put on our pain and trials and tribulations? God gives us a new lens. He says, get a new lens. You're seeing it wrong or incorrectly. Sometimes God's answer is, change your perspective. Change the way you're seeing your pain. Change the way you're seeing your struggle. The Lord addressed Baruch's ambition, first of all. Baruch struggled with his ambitions and with where his career was headed, so God addressed that. And, you know, under normal circumstances, there's no, there's nothing wrong with having ambition and saying, hey, I, you know, I'd like to be promoted, I want to work hard and maybe, you know, level up to a better position. But here's the problem. It was happening when the whole world around him was burning, it's the equivalent of when when you, you hear about a great catastrophe that happened and it's all over the news and, you know, a thousand people died in this terrible earthquake and and you see it, you watch the news, you see it, but then, then you go to, you know, social media and you post, oh, what a lovely day we have today. And, and there's just a disconnect with, 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 uh, with what's happening in the world. We should feel, if we're believers, we should feel the pain that happens in the world so that we can pray God help them. Think about Noah, you know, when, when he was building the ark and when the storms began to come, the rain. Imagine if, if Noah began complaining about his career advancement at that moment. It's just, it's out of context. It's, it's inappropriate. So again, Jeremiah, in the story, God rebukes him in verse 5 by saying, hey, do you seek these things for yourself? Are you seeking promotion? Are you seeking success for yourself? And then God says, I am going to bring disaster upon all flesh, says the Lord. He's giving him the 30,000 foot view of context. But I will give you your life as a prize of war in every place in which you may go. So God gave him this promise. All right. So God gives him new lenses, new perspective, but now he gives him an old promise. And he said, and, and we, were just, we just read it. I break down what I've built, and I, 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 and I pluck up what I have planted in the whole land. So, so that's perspective. What's God saying in this? He's saying, look, whatever you're feeling, whatever your trajectory feels like, I'm in control of everything. So that's what you have to focus on. Don't focus on just what you want. The world is bigger than my desires. And this is a hard word. This is not something that's, you know, happy 
go lucky word. When we suffer, we often think that since everything is out of control, that God is out of control, and that simply is not true. So then God gives them this. He gives them a, a sobering reward. And we read it, but let's read it again. He says, But I will give you your life as a prize of war and every place in which you may go. So that's the blessing. That's the answer to prayer. God is saying, hey, guess what? You may not uh, make partner uh, in the firm, but you get to live. How's that? So I call this a severe promise. The reward was not some grand promise like Abraham or Moses or David received, where the heavens seemed to open up, or Jacob, right, where the ladder, you know, Jacob's ladder. And uh, this was a, a hard promise, like, wow, uh, guess what? Uh, the world is burning, but you get to be, you get to be alive. You get to have a life. You get to live. Not all promises are rainbow lined with glitter swirling around us. Sometimes we have to listen to God's voice and hear the answer, not just the answer we want to hear. So what's the right perspective? The right perspective begins by letting God define your reality. The Lord defines what blessing and success mean and what failure and triumph mean. We don't define it. He does. And sometimes as Christians, we, we can see ministry and church and uh, Christianity as just a, a bottom-line business that has to have numbers and certain metrics, so to speak. And uh, that is not God's way, though. Um, nothing wrong with metrics, but if, if that's all I have, and I don't have God's ear and God's heart, what's the point of that? The Lord defines what blessing is, and we don't. Our, spe- our perspective on reality must be surrendered to God. Our own rubber stamp of understanding of, of how things should look like has to be given to God. We sometimes impose our own understanding of blessing and success to things. This is blessing, and this is prosperity, and this is not. And we have to look to what the Scriptures tell us that means. In our time, people want to define and create their own reality apart from what God has to say about it. Right? My truth. But God has something to say about it. But here's one more, uh, two more things before I let you go. Let your faith surpass your aspirations. Your faith has to go further than your desires, than your vision, than your dreams. Now, often they work together, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes we we have this, you know, thing in our heads of this has to happen, you know, and and maybe God didn't give us that. We have to consider that in prayer and seek the Lord on that. Make sure we hear His voice. So, I remember once I was assembling something. I hate to put stuff together because you have to read the manual, and oh, I hate that. And so I've gotten frustrated and trying to understand the instruction manual and, and I'm kind of scratching my head and, you know, I, I would get enraged and get angry and start criticizing the manufacturer and saying, this was poorly designed, terrible design, and just go on and on about this. And then all of a sudden I said, well, let me think about this differently. What if I went like this and I, I, I turned the, the diagram upside down and I said, oh, Wow. I've been reading it the wrong way. <laughs> so, so sometimes we do that with God. You know, we 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 put our faith and our aspirations and our 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 desires backwards, and we say, "Well, that has to happen." And because uh, you know, God loves me; He's my Father. Not necessarily. The question is, what is He doing in the world, and how do you fit into that kingdom paradigm? And sometimes we blame the manufacturer, God. 
we hold the Bible upside down and read it with our own individual Western lens. And we try to force the pieces together when they don't work. Dietrich Bonhoeffer again said this, and it's again, this is not one of these flowery, comfort, comforting sayings, but it's true. He says, when a person has completely given up the idea of making something of himself, then one throws oneself entirely into the arms of God. Then uh, one no longer takes seriously his own suffering, but rather the suffering of God in the world. That is faith. When you care about God's suffering in the world, those things don't matter. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have dreams and visions, but it means that they have to be subordinate to what God is doing. And we have to always remember that. So that is faith, not fate. Last thing I want to give you, and we'll let you go. Practice gratitude. That is so important. Uh, Be grateful that God is uh, persevering for you in evil times, and He's preserving you in evil times. Sometimes we take for granted the blessings that we have. Uh, Emerson once wrote this. You know, he Emerson was kind of weird and stuff, but he did write something that I liked. He said, everyone would stay up all night to see the stars if they only appeared once a year. We no longer bother to look at the stars because we have seen them so frequently. And there's something about remembering what God has done, remembering what He has said and believing it. And that's why it's, it says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. If you like this podcast, please leave a like and uh, recommend it to a friend. And check us out. We are on YouTube, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and wherever you can get your, your streaming podcasts. So until next time, I want to thank you so much for being with us. God bless you.